We're starting a new series, uh, The Art of Forgiveness, about the book of Philemon. Now, you may not be, I don't know if you're familiar or not with the book of Philemon. Um, in your, uh, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want to, but you don't have to turn there. But in the Pew Bible, if you can see it, it's that. That's the whole thing. Right? So this is definitely, of, one of, the, of the books in the Bible, one of the ones that's the easiest to understand, uh, but maybe one of the most difficult to obey, what it says. Um, so I'm going to start by telling you a little story. Uh, this is not a true story, but this is one of those um, based on a true stories. Um, picture this in your mind. It's the year 57, about 25 years or so after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. A young man walks down the street in Colossae, uh, a city in what is now Turkey. There you see it underlined there on the screen, Colossae. That's where the book of Colossians was written to. So a young man's walking down the street. He's a Christian, and he's heading towards church. But he is not feeling joyful about getting ready to worship that Sunday like he normally would. His palms were sweaty. His heart was racing. His white knuckles clutched in his hand a letter. This letter was written by his teacher, the Apostle Paul, and he was delivering it. He had good reason to be nervous. The letter was addressed to the pastor of the church there at Colossae. That pastor's name was Philemon. And the last time that this man had been in that place, it was under very different circumstances. Back then, he had been a slave in Philemon's house. And he hadn't left that house under the best of circumstances. Truthfully, he had stolen from his former master. And he had run away. And now here he was coming back. And he kept thinking to himself, am I crazy coming back to this place? What escaped slave and thief goes back? I can just turn around now and forget this whole thing. I can still be a Christian without doing something crazy like this, can I? But then he remembered the words of his teacher, Paul. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That verse is what Onesimus, the runaway slave, and now Christian missionary, kept in his mind on his way to the house of his former slave master, Philemon. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He just hoped that Philemon remembered that verse too. He approached the door and was about to knock when unexpectedly the door opens. And there stands in front of him his former master. It took a moment for recognition, um, but then a look of surprise. Onesimus, the surprised older man said. Onesimus just bowed his head and handed Philemon the letter. 
What is this? Philemon said. A letter from Paul, Onesimus quietly replied, afraid to look up and meet his former master's eyes. From Paul, Philemon replied. He then broke the seal, opened the letter, and started reading, waiting to find out his feet. Uh, Onesimus waited to find out his feet. And this is what Philemon read. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. At this point, Philemon looked up from the letter, looked at Onesimus for a moment in silence, and then went back down to reading. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that you may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, or sorry, and one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. After reading this letter, Philemon thought for a long moment, Then he looked up at the runaway slave and he reached out and he grabbed him by the hair so that he couldn't run away. Loudly he shouted, guards, guards, come and take this man. Oh wait, I'm sorry, hold on a second. One second, I made a mistake. I apologize, I read the wrong passage. And then Philemon thought for a moment, 
for a long moment. He exhaled deeply and stood up straight, as if letting a weight fall off his shoulders. He closed his eyes and whispered a short prayer. Then he put his arm around Onesimus and said, Come in, brother. The worship service is about to start, and everyone will want to hear any news that you can tell about our dear brother Paul. Now I have a question. When I accidentally misread the story um, and showed Philemon reacting in wrath towards Onesimus, did it immediately seem wrong to you or right? And on the other hand, when I read the correct story and described um, Philemon welcoming and forgiving Onesimus, did it, in your heart, did that seem right? Well, I have good news for you. If your heart reacts well to forgiveness and takes offense at wrath, it's a good sign. It means that your heart is becoming more like Jesus. And in this respect, it's a sign that God is at work in your life. When we study the Bible and we practice the Christian faith, often we focus on the big ideas around salvation and judgment and heaven and hell and eternal life. And it is right that we uh, focus on these things because they're of eternal importance. Um, but we can often overlook that most of the teachings of Jesus and of the apostles are much more focused on the day-to-day -day of how we live right here and right now. And beyond that, not only what we do, but even more who we are and who we're becoming. Um, what our character is, what type of stuff our heart is made of, what is going on in our minds. In general, this is, this is the Christian life, all of these things. And this is, most, this is most of what the Bible talks about. Um, now, there are a lot of things that make up the Christian life, a lot of details, uh, but a good way to summarize would be the way that Jesus himself summarized it. Um, he said, follow me. That's the basic call of the Christian life. Jesus says, follow me. Now, this simple teaching of the Lord, follow him, touches every area of life, not only in what we do and why we do it, but even more basically in who we are. So let's look at a passage from Ephesians that explores this idea a little bit of following him and some of what goes into that. Um, this is in Ephesians 4. Um, we're going to start at verse, Ephesians 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Um, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, 
and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So when Paul discusses the Christian life in Ephesians, he doesn't present it primarily as a set of commands to be followed, although there are commands there. Uh, But the emphasis is on taking on a whole new way of life and putting off an old one. Taking on a whole new self that's different from the old one. So where is truth found? It's found in Jesus. How were we taught? We were taught in Jesus to put off the whole old self, which was corrupt, and put on a whole new self. And what is this new self like? It's created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The old self was corrupt, but the new self is like Jesus. All right, let's talk a little bit more about being like God. I don't know about for you guys, that sounds a little intense. Put on a new self that's like God. If you think about when we just finished, we had this sermon series on Leviticus, and we talked about all the laws and uh, the priests and all the sacrifices and things. Now imagine if Moses, after teaching about all of that, had said, but here's the most important thing. I'm just going to sum it up for you. You just need to follow God's example. You just think, what would God do and do that? That would not have made any sense to the Hebrews at that time. How could they be like God? How could they create the world? How could they part the Red Sea or send 10 plagues on the Egyptians? How could they be like God? It wouldn't make any sense. Um, But thankfully, through Jesus, we now finally know what God is actually like. He is still the creator and parter of the seas, but that is an incomplete picture. The complete picture is that God is exactly like Jesus. This is why the scriptures say that the Son is the image of the invisible God. That's in Colossians chapter 1. It's, a, it's, a, it's, quite, a, um, it's quite a sentence. The Son is the image of the invisible God. 
right? So something that was invisible previously, here's a perfect picture of it, of that, so that you can see it. What previously was invisible, now we can see it. And what does it look like? It looks like Jesus. The purpose of Jesus being the image of the invisible God is not so that we can take all the ideas that humans might have about what God might be like, what a God might be, how we might imagine or project ourselves onto imagining what God might be like, and then say, oh, well, Jesus must be like that. Instead, it's to say, no, what is Jesus like? That is the definition of what God is like. We can finally see God clearly through Jesus. What is he like? He's like Jesus. And then this idea to follow God's example, to be an imitator of God, can finally make sense. Because Jesus is someone whose example we can follow. What once was impossible to conceive, this idea, you should be like God, is now a practical thing. Be like Jesus. It's not easy, but it's reasonable. It makes sense. And in the case of Paul and Philemon and Onesimus, who we just are talking about, we can see this modeled clearly. Paul did not so much ask Philemon, please forgive Onesimus. He asked, please put on the new self. And that self is like Jesus. Be a forgiver like Jesus is. And Paul, model, and Paul said, I don't want you to do it. I don't want you to be compelled to do it. I want you to want to do it. I want you to have that new heart. And then Paul also modeled in himself the same idea of following Jesus' example. When he says, if any payment is required, let it be charged to my account. Forgiveness is costly. And Jesus makes gracious forgiveness possible for us when he says, if something is owed, put it on my account. Jesus says, if there's a debt, transfer it to Jesus' account where he can pay for it. Forgiveness is costly, uh, but Jesus paid the price. This is the same way that Jesus bought our freedom and paid our ransom. And Jesus doesn't forgive because he was commanded to do so or because of the benefit that will come from it, but because of his great love, because it is who he is. His nature and his character are that of a forgiver. So similarly for each of us, the call to forgive those who have offended us is rooted in the greater call to put off the old self and be made new in Christ, to follow God's example and walk in the way of love. Now, I personally, when talking about living out the Christian life, I like to be very practical. Um, I think it's important to talk about the high ideals and the ideas, but it's also important to recognize the reality of everyday life. Um, and particularly when we talk about forgiveness, I think it's important to acknowledge how central it is to have this connection uh, with Jesus in how forgiveness is handled. In the situations in our lives where we are being challenged either to forgive someone or that we're seeking to be forgiven, 
Everything must be centered on the specific reality of who Jesus is and what he is like. It's easy to say that we should forgive. But actually forgiving in real life situations is complicated. Uh, it's a different story. Those situations are complex. They're often ongoing. They often involve multiple different people who have different sins, who believe different things and different facts. And forgiveness is costly. Often sin is so tangled up in, in it that it can be impossible to know what to do or how to forgive or reconcile, even if we want to. In those situations when it is not clear what to do, how to do it, or even if it's possible at all, that's when it's so much more important that we know who we are. Right? We might know, I might not know how to forgive, but I can know if I'm a forgiver or not. Right? And what kind of person do we want to be? Even if I don't know what it will mean in the situation at hand, I can commit to say, I want to be like Jesus here. I'm forgiven and I want to be a forgiver. But God, you're going to have to help me find the way. When we don't know what to do, at least we can know who we are. And as we follow Jesus, we know that means that we are forgiven by him and that I'm a forgiver following in his footsteps behind him as he is doing his forgiving work. We might not know how to do it or if it's even possible, but we can know who Jesus is and therefore what the new self is like that God is making us into. In many situations, the only hope of forgiveness and reconciliation is a miracle. But this is a miracle that we should anticipate with hopeful expectation because of who Jesus is and the new self that he is giving us. So in closing, let's return back to the story we started with. So back, open back up your mind to that story that we heard about, about Philemon and Onesimus. But now we're back in Colossae, and it's 10 years later. Philemon, now an older man, not walking or standing as well as he used to, a lot more gray hair, waited outside of the door of his house. It was near sunset, and he anxiously looked down the road, waiting. Finally, he saw a man approach, walking quickly. His vision was not as good as it used to be, but as soon as he recognized the man, he ran to him, or at least as well as a man his age could run. He ran out to the man and grasped him in an urgent hug. Onesimus, he said, I was so worried that you would not make it. The soldiers of the emperor are everywhere in this city. I made it by the grace of God only, Onesimus replied. Philemon then started pestering Onesimus with questions as they walked back towards the house, questions he had saved up for his friends since their last parting. He wanted to hear all about Onesimus' missionary journeys, and together they praised God for all the new believers joining, even in spite of the deep persecution that they all faced 
and they wept together at all the friends that they had lost, particularly their mutual friend Paul, who they had both loved so much. I have one last question, Philemon said. Do you still have that letter? The one Paul wrote to me about you? Do I have it, said Onesimus. You know that I have it and I treasure it. Everywhere I go, I read it to the people I'm ministering to. And I tell them the story of how Jesus' power is enough to turn a thieving slave and his former master into brothers. Everyone wants a copy of it to keep along with their other letters from the apostles that they hold. It's really something, Philemon, it really is. Our little letter being kept alongside Paul's letter to the Romans and Luke's gospel. Well, we better get into the house, Philemon replied. The soldiers could come at any time. Quickly, you sit here by the door and let me wash your feet before we go in. Then the old pastor knelt down on the ground and washed the feet of his friend, while his friend, the former slave, closed his eyes and whispered a short prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we uh, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. And um, I know that there are people right now in this congregation that for me to say to them that they need to forgive is not something easy for them to hear. And that the idea of forgiving stirs up in their heart and in their mind so much um, about why they're in the situation that they're in and what people have done. And Lord, I don't uh, claim to have the answer to all those things, Lord. And um, you know how hard forgiveness can be. Um, but Lord, I do pray that in this moment, those people who are struggling with the question of can I forgive, should I forgive, is it even possible to forgive, or are saying I won't forgive, Lord, I pray that you would just help them say instead, Lord, I want to put off the old self, and I want to put on the new self that I am in you, Lord Jesus. And then let's just take it from there. Please let me just be who it is that you want me to be. And then, Lord, in this situation that I can't even understand, please show me the way. And then, Lord, I also pray for those today who think of something that they have done towards, against a friend or family member or a, a coworker or whoever, neighbor, whoever it may be, that they are in need of forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would also help them to put off the old self in its corrupt ways and to put on the new self, which desires to be at peace with all men. And I pray that they would be able to seek and find forgiveness in their relationships, even though that can also seem impossible. Lord, I pray for the miracle of reconciliation between those who are currently at odds and especially in families, and especially in the church. Lord, I just ask this in the name, the powerful name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.